Okay, we're now live. Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to Facebook Live. Today, believe it or not, it's June 2nd. I guess if you're in Baltimore, you know it's June because it's 95 degrees out. So, last month of the year, which is also the title of this talk. So, um, you know, if you're an academic, if you're in private practice, perhaps June or July does not mean very much. Maybe you're going to get some new... Uh, um, co-workers because people will have finished their residencies or fellowships and will be joining your group sometime over the summer. But if you're in academics, um, there's massive change in June, July. Uh, we, we've all been through it, right? You know, whether you're in academics or private practice, you went through it. Uh, first thing that happens is that um, all the residents finish um, at the end of the year. Many move on to the next year, but those who are finishing their four years of residency are moving on to fellowships, either at your institution or elsewhere. The people who are fellows, your fellows, our 12 fellows or 14 fellows, will be moving on. A couple of them will be staying with us, which is great. The rest will be moving on around the country and around the world. Someone is going to Saudi Arabia, so we do have a widespread of people who are going back to places where they're from where their family's at, or just choosing new places to uh, build build their roots and start all over again. So it's an exciting time. It's also um, a time of change, right? Because, uh, you know, it's interesting. Now, I will admit that probably everyone will also, the people finishing now, surely the one-year fellowship, but even a four-year residency, you've basically spent the last two and a half years in, um, in a strange hibernation, right? Uh, just literally um, with COVID. Um, I wouldn't recognize a fellow without a mask on, quite frankly. Right? You recognize people from here up. You really haven't had the time to chit chat with people because you don't chit chat in this COVID era. People still are doing a lot of stuff remotely, all the, the uh, multidisciplinary conferences, all the lectures, all the meetings are on Zoom. So it's really, uh, it's really been hard. Um, it's getting a bit better, but not a lot better, right? Because we don't know what the future brings, but I think people are trying to learn to live with the future. As John Biakino, who's home today, will say, I hardly knew the fellows the last two years. And can't, just can't agree more with John. Um, so it's really, t and even our new techs, right? We have a lot of new techs, and a lot of transition, uh, you know, the uh, people quitting, leaving, moving, changing. But you don't really have that same um, affinity to people because you're just not really connecting the same way you would want to. And uh, hi, Liviana, who's out in San Francisco, will tell you probably the same thing. Um, it's just really a challenge. I think it's a challenge. And so <clears throat> it's, just, it's just the way it is. Um, so we wish all of the people who are leaving only the best. Now, you always tell people, oh, we'll see you at some point, but it's interesting. And someone just wrote an article about this, and I can't remember where the article is, and I can't remember who wrote it, so I would give them credit. But it was published within the last few weeks, or maybe it's in press, where they said that one of the things they noticed that uh, their head of the, the program, they're, they're a program director, and they said that although you know they're very close, they think they are close to the residents or fellows, whatever it was, they realized when most people leave you say, oh, we'll see you soon, we'll see you in a meeting, see you here, see you there. You never see people again. I've been in Hopkins a long time. Well, every once in a while you run into people at the RSNA, people may show up at your Hopkins reception perhaps, 
or don't, or maybe you don't show up. Um, you know, you just don't see people. I mean, you wish them the best of luck. It's a big world, and everyone has their own life. And uh, as Bon Jovi would say, it's one life to live, and you live. And Frank Sinatra would say, lived it uh, my way. But um, it's interesting. So most of the people who will finish their fellowships, you will never see again. You think about that for a second. Most of the residents, if you do recognize them, because you really haven't really seen them in two and a half years, you'll never see again. And with the number of meetings decreasing, there used to be a lot of meetings. Now a lot, you know, I ran 37 straight years of meetings for Hopkins, three to five meetings a year. Whether we do a meeting again, I'm not sure. The course of running a meeting, the, the um, amount of liability I need to have, and you never know what happens with COVID, with hotels and this, that, and the other. It's just very, very high. And um, I, I can't run meetings to lose money. I'm happy to run meetings to break even, but uh, we can't lose money and it's really a challenge. So if you look, very few companies are running meetings. There's one company, I won't mention their name, who runs a bunch of meetings. I assume they're doing well because they're running a lot of meetings, but they're running them in Hawaii. And probably that's as good as you can get because everything's outside. Um, you know, you hear about meetings inside, whether it's the Rankin Ray, whether it's the the, the uh, ACR or other companies where you have a meeting and it's people not wearing masks, they're eating, they're indoors, and half the people end up COVID positive. Now, we're going to have to live what the, with what the word COVID positive means because otherwise we're going to be locked in the basement for the next 20 years, it seems. But people aren't getting sicker, not that sick. People aren't, aren't being hospitalized for the most part particularly people who've had two boosters and been vaccinated, so a total of four. But it's still this uncertainty, and it depends on the person. Uh, some people are very comfortable, Dr. Cameron from Hopkins. The whole two and a quarter years we've been under lockdown, he's been traveling to the Cape and Naples or wherever else he goes, because he said he was gonna be careful, but he was not gonna be locked down. And many people have not traveled at all, right? They've been in the same place. I have friends who travel to New York every month or every other week, it seemed they were away and they haven't left the street in the two and a half years. So it's really a challenge. And I think it depends on your health. It depends on if you have kids, how old the kids are. If your kids are under five, they're not vaccinated. Um, so it's all these challenges. And so it's really a trying time. And you know, it's a shame, but everyone who came through, maybe you'll have this common memory of doing COVID and someone will come up to you one day and say, hey, how you doing? Remember me? No, you don't remember me because I don't even remember you because it was COVID and all I saw you was from here up. I didn't see you from there down. I didn't know you had a beard. I've had a beard my entire life, just to let you know. Not exactly right, but uh, um, but it, it's just one of those things. So um, uh, so it's really is a transition point. One of the, my favorite movies and surely one of my favorite songs is to serve with love. Uh, Sidney Poitier, who passed away last year, was the star of that movie. It was a movie that was set, I think, in England somewhere. Um, uh, Lulu sang the theme song. She also was in the movie. If you ever want to, it's a really wonderful song. The tune is really good, but the words are really good. So to serve with love, I think I always feel that way at the end of a year where things are moving on and things are moving forward. So. Um, that's that's just the way it is. Um, now um, we now of course we we do connect with people because Lidiana, who we used to work with me, who's at Stanford now. I mean UCSF. I'm sorry, 
Uh, Meg Fines, who was on the faculty here for many years, is now, I think, in New Jersey. Um, um, there's, uh, so we do, John Biakino, who works here, so at least I, I know three people. That's pretty good. Um, just on the reminding people of transitions, it's posted on CTSS, and on a sad note, uh, Bronwyn Jones, many of you who have been academics for a while know Bronwyn Jones. Bronwyn was one of those people that did Swallowing Center. She was one of the people who wrote the key articles on swallowing, um, took over for Dr. Donner. Uh, I, met, I was maybe my second year here when Bronwyn started. She's been retired now for about um, five years or so. Um, she's a terrific person and great radiologist, pretty funny. Uh, she passed away the other day. So um, it's a sad note. Uh, Brown's husband, uh, Warwick Morrison, who I knew well, passed away about two years ago. So those of you who are in the Hopkins, who've been in Hopkins in the last 40 years, everyone knows Bronwyn Jones and all of her uh, unique statements and comments, and, uh, but just a terrific person. And so Bronwyn will surely be missed, and we, uh, we wish her well. And as that rabbi of Park Avenue Synagogue goes, Whenever he talks about someone who passed away, he says, may their memory uh, bring you comfort or, um, you know, happiness. Um, so um, nothing, you, you, you know, it's just unfortunate she passed away, but I think um, it gives everybody a smile thinking about some of her uh, uniqueness and having dealt with her for many years and uh, working with her, which was really a, uh, a pleasure. Ronald uh, became professor, I think, at Hopkins about 1990-ish, when Dr. Brody was chair, and at that point, you know, women professors at Hopkins were not that frequent. She might have been about the 30th woman professor. Now there's several hundred, so those were the you know the strange times, I guess. Um, but uh, Brahma was one of those trailblazers. I think she came here from the Brigham, um, and uh, she did a great job. So uh, we do uh, we do uh, extend our condolences to her family back in Australia. Brahman was from Australia, always was from Australia. She may have lived in Baltimore for 40 years and the Eastern Shore, which, which she loved, and her pets and cats that she loved, but Brahman was Australian, born Australian, her husband was Australian. I think the, the remnant of their families are in Australia, so, um, you know, we have a lot of friends in Australia. Maybe she knows Bluey. Bluey is one of my friends, uh, one of my best friends from Australia. Um, so I think that we'll, we'll, be, we'll, we'll be seeing him. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, other things going on, uh, what else? Um, we're doing a whole bunch of new lectures on CTSS, so as the year ends, we're kind of cranking up the material. A whole bunch of new stuff on Instagram and Facebook and, and the website itself, we're building things out. Lily and Sarah creating all sorts of new things. There's a bunch of new apps coming out, a bunch of upgraded, new apps is the way I want to put it. Uh, Pearls, I think, is the one that you're going to see probably in about a week. It's coming out. Um, we're doing a lot of, I think, innovative things. We are working. It's been signed. Microsoft, for the next three years, I'll be working with Microsoft on AI, our team here, with, through Lustgarten and Microsoft. Um, we will be working uh, on AI early detection of pancreatic cancer. So I think that's very exciting. And we are extremely pleased to have the privilege of working 
uh, with Juan Ferez and his team, just a group of 25 people, just very exciting. I think the opportunity for us to change the world is definitely uh, going to be there, and we're going to work hard. And I know Microsoft's going to work hard, and Lust Garden, which has supported us for the past five years, uh, will be supporting us hopefully going forward. So I think it's very exciting. Now, I did the one thing you're not supposed to do is not have your phone on. I don't know why the phone rang. There's not even a call, but um, we'll, we'll see. Well, maybe there is a call, but I don't know where it's from, but I'll have to call back uh, after. But anyway, um, that, that's about the main things. If anyone has any questions, hey, Liniana. I hope Liniana's been traveling. I saw some pictures. I think she's going up to Seattle. Her son graduates uh, grad school, I think, in mid-June, so that's great. I did post on CTSS some graduation speeches. If anyone has any great graduation speeches, remember the classic one is Steve Jobs, Stanford 2005. One of my favorites is Larry Ellison at USC 2009. There were a few good ones this year. I haven't seen anything that knocked my socks off. Um, Lauren Jobs gave a wonderful address in 2021 last year um, at the University of Pennsylvania. This year, my favorite one, I know you're gonna say I'm biased, but my favorite one was Taylor Swift at NYU. It's a really wonderful, sweet speech. Um, I like at the end, she was talking about taking a deep breath, you know, and so you just need to take a deep breath and chill. And she said, listen, take a deep breath. I'm telling you, I know about breathing. I'm a doctor. <laughs> that was somewhat humorous. I mean, she got a PhD doctorate, you know. You get it, I mean. I don't need to go through the whole joke with you. But I thought that was pretty funny and I thought she said it very well. It's an 18 minute talk. Most graduation speeches are between 17 and 19 minutes. So it's a good 18 minute talk at Yankee Stadium. I mean, your NYU, you know, NYU is the top of its game. So they had the graduation classes from the last three years. Yankee Stadium holds 60,000 people. You get Taylor Swift to speak. What more can you do? Everyone, you know, usually when you graduate, all of you I'm speaking to, uh, out there. You don't remember who was at your graduation. You don't know where your graduation was, when it was. And surely you don't remember who spoke. But I promise you those people at Yankee Stadium, they will always remember that it was Taylor Swift. I think that will be something they will remember. Uh, and, you know, what can I say? So with that, John B. Aquino said, Adam Sandler was funny also. Was that this year? There was a comedian who I who did give a speech at Tulane, and he's a comedian. He's, I forgot I forgot the show he was on. I don't watch TV, but he was also a, a doctor. He did a residency. So he went to Tulane. I think he went undergraduate. He went to med school. He was a resident fellow. Um, he was a real doc, and then he always wanted to do comedy, and he ended up doing comedy. So now his radiology gig is some not radiology. His medical gig is there in case he I guess in case his shows all falter and he, he's no longer funny. He gave an interesting graduation speech. He tried to be funny, but you know, a graduation speech is, I don't think you could be all that funny. It's really hard to, to get up there for 18 minutes and do stand-up comedy, but, uh, and, and John says Adam Sandler, but I don't, maybe, I have to go look. I didn't see Adam Sandler's talk, um, but that would probably be funny. Uh, anyway, with that, I'll stop there. Uh, Lorraine Jobs doing the speech for med students. Oh, she's doing the speech for med students at Stanford. She gave a wonderful talk, Lidiana. You should listen to it. Uh, I posted it last year at um, talking about herself. So it was almost like a Steve Jobs type talk. She gave it at um, University of Pennsylvania last year. 
and she was a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania. So it was somebody coming home uh, and talking about how they, they loved Penn and how it, was, it led them to the rest of their life. So anyway, well, we have to check up on the med school from Stanford. We have to listen to Lorraine's talk. And with that, I will say thank you. Hey, Lidiana, give me a link. I'll look for it too if you find the link. And with that, I hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. And uh, see you soon. Bye, guys.